0: your ear move (laughs) I'm a
1: diva
2: let me tell you oh your dog doesn't like that yeah (laughs) oh wait I can get Griffin (laughs) to help me with this yes
1: Griffin
0: where is John Ralphio I'm asking the same question
2: (laughs) good boy Hello, everyone, and welcome to Parks and Rewatch. I am your host, Joe, And I'm Joy. And today, we are diving into Season 2, Episode 7, Greg Pakaitis. In today's episode, Leslie attempts to catch a suspected teenage vandal in the act of defacing a public statue. Meanwhile, Anne throws a Halloween party, which turns out to be very boring until Tom livens it up.
0: This is like the only time I think I've been like, yeah, Tom, you contributed in a meaningful way.
2: Yeah, yeah, very much so. There's a lot of character development in this episode and I really enjoy the fact that we get some with Tom.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, it's we, a very good thing.
2: Yeah, we get some of that heartwarming seasoning that Parks and Rec does so well. And, and I think that the character of Tom desperately needed that by yeah. this point in the series.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right, so you got to your research before I did this week. So it's been
2: a crazy week. Everything's upside down. You get to kick off our deep dives, Joe. And I'm really excited. So our first uh, deep dive is called Snack Time.
0: Ooh, I could actually go for a snack right now. Why didn't, <laughs> I br- why didn't I bring a snack?
2: I find it really interesting that the very first shot of this episode is Greg eating a peach Mm -hmm. which he continues to take bites of as Leslie confronts him Mm -hmm. and this kind of becomes a major plot point in the episode that the peach and the peach pit are plot devices but this sort of set off something in my brain all of a sudden all these parallels to other things started being drawn which is what led me to this deep dive and I'm really excited about it I'm excited about this. Please do continue. So I remember watching commentary about the first Pirates of the Caribbean movie that discussed the scene where Johnny Depp's Jack Sparrow eats an apple in front of Captain Barbossa during a scene that features tense dialogue between them. Hmm. And so because of the eating while there's tense dialogue going on, I think there's a a very clear parallel between these two scenes: Captain Jack and Barbosa, and Leslie and Greg.
0: Didn't we talk about that um, during the banquet as well?
2: Yeah, I think we did. Yeah. Full circle. Exactly. This is, and I'm not surprised that this keeps coming back up because I just find it delightful and fascinating. And in that commentary. This was described as a way to subliminally highlight Jack's devil-may-care attitude. Eating food at inappropriate times is a technique used by filmmakers to show that a character is rebellious or non-conforming. And so in my deep dive, I I came up with a few sort of references and, and places to point to for this. So here's a quote from Kubrick's Total Cinema, Philosophical Themes and Formal Qualities, which is just a bougie title for a book.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready for philosophy. Right. Sounds like Condé Nast.
2: (laughs) Condé Nast. (laughs) Kubrick's characters often eat at inappropriate times or places or in inappropriate ways that introduce a complex of humor pathos and irony. Hmm. So I thought that was interesting. And then another one of the parallels that instantly got drawn in my head. I feel like you're laughing because I butchered saying another. You did. (laughs) (laughs) Another. Another. But another one of those parallels that instantly got drawn in my mind from this opening scene with Greg and Leslie to another character in media was... Rusty from the Oceans movies, Oceans 11, 12, and 13. Have you watched those movies, Joy?
0: I think I might have watched Oceans 11, but it was a while ago. This is like the same thing I was talking about last week of like my episodic memory is just not there. Like I can experience it in the moment, but unless I'm, I talk about it right away or I do research on it for some reason, it doesn't really stick.
2: That's fair. So the character of Rusty is always eating in all of the Oceans movies. He's always snacking on something. And so I I thought it was interesting that one of the characters that most famously illustrates this concept that we're talking about is Brad Pitt's Rusty from the Oceans movies. Here's a quote from an article where Brad addresses this. Rusty is a con man and always on the move, he said. So he figured he wouldn't have time for a proper sit down meal. And in 2011, he told NPR's Terry Gross that his Moneyball character's snacking was a way of showing his intensity and need to accomplish something.
0: I just have so much awe for the amount of intentionality that goes into the subtleties of these characters oh I
2: know I know like, that's
0: not stuff I think about but yeah it is a power play kind of yeah. like putting your feet up on a desk
2: yeah exactly same kind of thing and I just think it adds such a delightful level of complexity that it just adds so much to the characters and, and Greg's character in this episode and I really can't help but see a parallel specifically between Rusty and Greg and I cannot help but wonder if Greg wasn't written as a nod to Rusty in the Oceans movies there's just too much that's similar for me to dismiss that out of hand they're both blonde, they're both con men who pull off improbable and elaborate operations and they're both prone to constantly snacking slash eating at inappropriate times and I just can't help but note the fact that we can get so much out of this, at, out of probably the first 10 to 15 seconds of this episode. Oh, is, I love doing that. It's a compliment to the writing staff and to the crew of Parks and Rec that they can insert this level of storytelling into the smallest of things.
0: Yeah. I did that in a, not necessarily in a storytelling way, but in a fact finding way with Sister City, where like my aunt kept walking up being like, what are you doing? And I'm like, Oh, don't worry. I'm only 10 seconds in, but I already have like four pages of research. And she's like, wow. Okay. Um, you might be going overboard. I'm like, no, it's for the people they need to
1: know.
2: <laughs> and I think that paid off in a big way because we were told, uh, I think on our Facebook group by one of our listeners that our episode on sister city brought a, a whole new level of fun to that episode, which is one that they normally skip.
0: Well, there you go. And we're not in jail for it, so.
2: (laughs) Jail. And before we move on from this segment, uh, fair warning here, I haven't had as much time to dive into this as I would have liked to this week, but I was a little disappointed that there's not a classic villain archetype that Greg slides right into, at least not from the research I was able to do, um, because I love Greg as a character, and I think he plays so well off of Leslie. The two classic villain archetypes that i read about that come the closest to greg are number one the evil genius Mm -hmm. this is described as the malevolent mastermind he or she loves to show off their superior intelligence intellectual inferiors are contemptible to him or her and that includes just about everyone elaborate puzzles and experiments are their trademark don't let them pull your strings the game is always rigged in their favor
0: like Moriarty
2: yeah Mm. so that's the evil genius and then the other one that kind of comes close is the schemer the schemer is the lethal plotter that devises the ruin of others like a cat with a mouse he or she plays with lives elaborate plans intricate schemes nothing pleases them more than to trap the unwary Watch out for their complex designs. He or she means you no good. And now this is an
0: episode of My Favorite Murder, brought to
2: you by (laughs) Greg Pakaitis. I think we could have a heck of a true crime podcast if we wanted to. As I said, both of these archetypes contain aspects of Greg's character, but there's sort of a puckish sense of fun to him and his relationship to Leslie that doesn't quite fit in either box. And I think it's part of what makes his character so good.
0: I think the thing that's hardest for me about him is he's so brilliant and he knows he's so brilliant. Yes. But he doesn't flaunt it
2: yeah outwardly so our next section from deep dives is trivia so we have some trivia facts about this episode the first one is that in a deleted scene that was posted to the parks and rec website jerry nearly passes out from dehydration in his oversized dragon costume
0: that was jerry in the dragon costume yes how did i miss that (laughs)
2: Oh
1: my gosh.
2: You know, you don't really think about it, but the guy goes hard for Halloween. And Leslie also arrives late to the party dressed as a nurse.
0: Matt Fowler of IGN said Greg Pekaitis was, quote, probably the best conceived and most hilarious episode of Parks and Rec so far. Fowler said he liked the Leslie and Andy pairing and he was relieved the show found something, quote, meaty and meaningful to do with the character. Fowler said Anne's party was less funny, but advanced many of the supporting characters, which I do agree. Mm-hmm. It was really good character
2: development on this one. Mm-hmm. Steve Heisler of the AV Club said Heisler Heisler Steve <laughs> Steve Heisler of the AV Club <laughs> said the episode demonstrated how an episode of R can work wonders. Dial up the conditions that might drive a character insane as they did to Leslie and watch them squirm. Uh. <laughs> yes.
0: Way to commit to that. I'm proud of you.
2: Thank you. He also said the episode featured every supporting character well, but that Anne was less funny without a, quote, wacky person to play off of, unquote. Yeah.
0: She was definitely the straight the straight character in this one. hmm Linda Stacy Stacy St- St- St-
2: St- St- St-
0: Linda Stacy of New York Post said the episode was a big yawn. <laughs> Although she praised the performance of Cody Klopp as Great Pequitis. <laughs>
2: <laughs> You're welcome. That and was now the perfect voice for that quote.
0: Now we just do voices for trivia, I guess. Right. (laughs) Makes trivia more interesting.
2: Um, So I did discover this interesting fact that uh, during a brainstorming session among the parks and recreation writers prior to season four, screenwriter Chelsea Peretti proposed bringing the Greg Bakaitis character back for a future episode. Hmm. This finally happened in episode 18 of season six prom and i have a note here that chelsea peretti if you don't know who that is plays gina in brooklyn nine nine and she's hilarious so our next trivia fact is that ron swanson dresses as a pirate for halloween and he is the voice of a pirate in the lego movie which also stars chris pratt all right now for
0: some fun facts bum bum so andy When he starts at the parks department leslie says he gets eight bucks an hour which he thinks is a great idea so i was like "Mm, i wonder was he like at the bottom of the range when he started and in 2009 minimum wage in indiana was 7.25 an hour so he was already a little bit ahead (laughs) of minimum wage which for andy is a big deal
2: i was gonna say yeah for andy the bar is low
0: yeah yeah totally um in the background of ann's party um You can hear the Monster Mash playing. So Monster Mash was released August 25th, 1962 on either a seven-inch vinyl single or with a full-length LP called The Original Monster Mash. The song was number one on the Billboard Hot 100 chart from October 20th to 27th in 1962. Thanks, Wikipedia. Wow. Uh, Right? And then there was a, a note in there I found super interesting. The producers made extensive use of Foley art for the recording. Um, The sound of a coffin opening was imitated by a rusty nail being pulled out of a board, which is amazing. Yes. The sound of a cauldron bubbling was simulated by water being bubbled through a straw, and the chains rattling were simply chains being dropped on the tile floor. (laughs) I love Foley. It's so creative. Yes. It takes so much work, though, but it's so creative.
2: Yes. Uh, that, That was a great fact.
0: It is time to see if you spy what I spy. All right, in the two thousand six picture, on Leslie's, what do you call those boards?
2: Uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know Did, if there's an official name.
0: Whodunit them. connection boards of. <laughs> That's what they are and- now.
2: That's what they are now. <laughs> whodunit connection boards.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, in the two thousand six picture, was in the which is the lower left corner. The guy doing cleanup is folding a really weird piece of fabric, which at first I thought it, he was wearing a poncho. I was like, why would he be wearing a poncho? That's weird. But it's just like a piece of fabric, which made no sense to me. Um, and they've got an indoor work cart outside, which was confusing because like, I don't know, that just feels weird because you have to have a van and then you have to have a ramp in your van or like just the logistics of that or it just seem frustrating to me. Mm-hmm. And they're wearing hard hats, which is super confusing because they're cleaning a statue and you wear hard hats when there's danger of things falling on your head from above.
2: Right. Yes. We covered this in a previous OSHA deep dive.
0: Right. Just, so another,
2: a- just another reminder of the well-rounded education the listeners of and <laughs> <of> Rewatch get.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. So like in those pictures on the whodunit connection board of glory... Um, I'm so confused what even happened to the statue's face. Like, there's eyes drawn on a white piece of paper, and there's a wig on top of the hat, and some sort of bib? I don't know. And then there's a picture of evidence. I don't even know what evidence would be at that point.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, it makes sense just thinking about the fact that Leslie's been after this guy for a while, But I would be interested to know what that evidence is that she's collected.
0: Um, In the background of 621, random fact, um, Dr. Harris is holding his wine bottle. Because later, he says, I'm just going to leave and I'm taking this with me.
1: Well, of
0: course. You were holding it the whole time, so that's why no one was drinking it. (laughs) Why'd you bring it in the first place if you were just going to take it home? Um, At 1333, there was some guy that was dressed as a convict. And the good news is he helped pick up the couch. So he is a strong convict. He's been doing his exercises. Um, And why does that matter? I don't know. Is that being mean? I don't know. I didn't try to be mean. Was I mean? Maybe I was mean. Crap.
2: He's a strong convict. I mean. He's been doing his exercises.
1: (laughs) I don't know why this is so funny, but it's funny, and I feel uncomfortable all at the same time.
2: <laughs> like, what? What do you? Okay, what do you think goes on in prisons?
0: And
1: now it's time to
0: hear from our own Leslie Nope through our textbook, Pawnee, the greatest town in America.
2: What do we? What do we call that? The uh, sacred text of Parks and Rewatch.
0: Uh, let it be so. All right page 18 um, this is in the middle of chapter one which leslie titles 24 hours in pawnee you only have one day to spend in our town you're lost but here's how to do it so she's estimating that at twelve thirty p.m you will go to the site of the pawnee bread factory fire head on over to the corner of howland and baker streets in pawnee's historic factory district now close your eyes what's that you hear Is it the sound of screaming non-union workers fleeing for their lives? And what do you smell? Burning bread,
1: perhaps? You're not having a stroke. You're reliving history.
0: This is the site of the old Pawnee Bread Factory, which at one time employed more than 3,000 Pawneans before it burned down in 1922. The site now hosts to a Taco Bell KFC, a locksmith, and a Papa John's Taco Bell Express, which I think is funny because there's two Taco Bells, is commemorated by a small plaque which could really use some polishing damn it I have to remember to do that but which if you look close enough tells the story of one of the greatest disasters in Pawnee history but also one of the most heroic as a man named William Percy rushed into the burning building and rescued the beloved secret recipe for Pawnee Pumpernickel sadly more than 30 people perished in the flames though I'd like to think that they died happily watching Percy rush out of the building secret recipe intact Percy was later elected mayor for his heroism, despite the eventual realization that the recipe had been published in a cookbook a year earlier.
2: Ooh,
0: mm. right? Next article, page 108,
1: Greg Pagitis. On April 13th, 1994, just before dawn, a child was born at Bonnie St. Joseph's Medical Center. His mother wept from joy, exhaustion, relief, it is doubtful that she herself could have even told you why there in that most singular moment. Such is the ineffable nature of childbirth. Had she, in that exhilarating instant, been able to look up from the delicate new life she held to her bosom and see me, Leslie Nope, standing by her
0: bedside, having been transported back in time with some sort of device or by magic or something, I could
1: have told her why she wept. She had just given birth to one of the crappiest little punks ever to walk the earth. Gregory Vernon Pekaitis is a scourge. He may look like a tow-headed little dreamboat from a Disney Channel show, but he is not. He is a punk and a criminal with a record of misties longer than his enviable eyelashes. Which actually isn't very long because eyelashes are pretty short, relatively speaking. <clears throat> he began traipsing down his miserable, immoral path at the ripe old age of 11 when he put cement in all of the holes on Pawnee Municipal Golf Course, causing one golfer to beat another golfer into a coma after throwing a temper tantrum when he shot a 19 on a par 3. After serving 20 hours of community service, Bacchitis promptly filled every bottle of ketchup in JJ's diner with non-toxic red paint. Later that year, he removed the letters P-E-N-G-E-R-I-N-N-G from the passenger loading zone sign at the Pawnee Commuter Airport. On Halloween night 2010, however, the evil mastermind met his match. And that match was me. With the help of Andy Dwyer and courageous officer Dave Sanderson of the Pawnee PD, I caught Picitus in the act of spray painting and TPing the statue of Mayor Percy in the middle of the night. Insert footnote. Full disclosure. Right before this happened, Andy Dwyer and I TP'd house, a fact which I am not proud of, but it was super fun. Also, full disclosure, Officer Dave Sanderson and I were dating at the time. I'm not sure if that's something that needs to be disclosed, but I feel like it does, so I'm fully disclosing it. I caught Pekaitis in the act of spray-painting and teepeeing the statue of Mayor Percy in the middle of the night, and I brought him to justice. Unfortunately, due to our outrageously lenient penal codes pertaining to minors, he walks our streets today, but the fact remains that I busted him so hard. Little twerp. Footnote. Note from Greg Pekaitis. Leslie is going to be so mad when she sees that I snuck this footnote in here. Suck it, nope. (laughs) Well done.
2: So, can we talk about the fact that this essay in Pawnee, the Greatest Town in America, introduces a weird dynamic to the Leslie-Greg dynamic, uh where leslie is oddly fixated on his handsomeness this is a minor we're talking about
0: right but he also says to her as she's walking away like leslie you look great and she was like "Mm,
2: thank you but it ends tonight i mean sure but he's a high school boy i know but it's it's just weird both ways it's weirder the leslie way
0: I wonder, though, if it's because she's been so fixated on him with her whodunit connection board. Sure. She's been staring at his picture trying to understand why.
2: Sure. It's just it's, it's a little creepy. Leslie needs to she needs some perspective. She needs to she needs the chief to pull her off the assignment and be like, you're in too deep. Nope. Um, some fun quotes. Leslie
0: suspect laughing with friends and playing with his stupid skateboard in a snide turdish manner. Joe, would you please define snide and turdish and then use it in a sentence? No. Okay, great.
2: <laughs> I I have actively avoided using the word turd in my day-to-day conversation because I despise that word. Interesting. I, I just no. I yeah. I mean, obviously it means like poop.
0: <laughs> like as if one like is scrunchy <laughs> and brown,
1: and is dried up
0: of all Wait, of its what?
2: nutrients. Did you say scrunchy?
0: Scrunchy. Poop Did you is know? Scrunchy? Whoa, 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 whoa! Did you know? Let's see. Um, <laughs> there's a poop scale, Bristol stool chart.
2: Oh Lord, help which us! <laughs>
0: Type 1 is separate hard lumps like nuts, which are hard to cast. Ah! <laughs> type, type 2 no! is sausage-shaped but lumpy. Ah! Type 3 is sausage-shaped but with cracks on the surface. Type 4 is a sausage or snake-like, but it's smooth and soft. No! Ah! <laughs> Type 5 is soft blobs with clear-cut edges, which are easy to pass. Type 6 is fluffy pieces with ragged edges and mushy. And type 7 is watery, no solid pieces. It's entirely liquid. I think I once bought something with the Bristol stool chart on it as a gag gift. Mm. (laughs) Mmm. How do you feel? Uh,
2: <laughs> Not okay. <laughs> I
0: think pecitis is a type one.
2: Uh. Separate hard lumps uh. and like nuts. Oh. <laughs> <So
1: uncomfortable. laughs> I didn't plan that, but I love it. I love it. Brilliant. <laughs>
0: So the book that Dr. Harris takes is Into the Den of Lions, which the internet says shows up again as an ad in Season 2, Episode 12, The Christmas Scandal, and in Season 4, Episode 11, The Comeback Kid. And I haven't personally verified this for myself, but the same book ad appears on The Good Place twice.
1: Interesting. The worlds are connected.
0: Bum, bum, bum. Leslie's quote. Why would anyone do this? Andy kids are kids everyone does stupid stuff like this in high school I pulled that quote out specifically because um my friend Barney I asked him I was like why like what is what is Greg's motivation why would Greg pinpoint Leslie and just keep doing all of this stuff like where did this start what do you think their history is and he he said that maybe Greg didn't originally have it out for Leslie but then he realized how easy it was to get under her skin so he made it a game And it's like, oh, this is fun. I'm going to one-up it. Oh, this is fun. I'm going to one-up it again.
2: That seems very true to Greg's character. Right. Which then
0: makes me want to figure out what was phase
2: one. Yeah. I don't know. We need an origin story.
0: All right. That's all I got for that. So let's transition to likes and dislikes, where we talk about our likes and our dislikes. What did you like, Joe?
2: I like Greg. Greg. He's okay. yet another example of Parks and Rec casting fantastic villains. He's a fun, impish agent of chaos who serves as a perfect foil for Leslie and the gang. I really wish there were more episodes featuring mm. him.
0: First of all, I'm going to award you two points for the usage of the word impish and oh, thank you. foil. Well done.
2: <laughs> it's a fancy sentence. Mm-hmm. I liked Leslie's Greg Pakaitis map. It reminds me of Home Alone. I don't really know whether to put this as a like or a dislike, but the concept of TPing anything in the day and age of COVID-19 and panic buying toilet paper is just funny to me.
0: (laughs) That's true. (laughs) The world has changed.
2: It's basically like lighting your money on fire just for fun now. (laughs) I love that you can absolutely see Greg in the first scene of Jerry getting tangled in the spider web. But if it's your first time watching, you really will probably miss him. This seems like another nod to the Oceans movies to me in which flashbacks reveal how the crew was really pulling off the heist in sneaky ways that you weren't aware of at the time. And I love it.
0: That's amazing. Like, when I put my notes in, I try not to... Deep mm-hmm. read your notes so I, mm-hmm. I, yeah, same. So I experience it live as you meant it to be. And I did happen to glance over that one and then I was like, Hold up! And I went back to the beginning and I found it, and it's so yeah. subtle and yeah. so fast, but it's there,
2: it is, and I love it. The brilliance of the
0: background, come yes. on, yes,
2: yes. Oh, it's just so good, it's so good. I like it. Andy's commit this to memory face. (laughs) I like how Ron is low key into Halloween. I feel like it's a foreshadowing of his boyish, fun loving side. I just love how into everyone's Halloween costumes he is. And yeah, I just think that that's great.
0: This is one of the few things that brings Ron intense
2: happiness. Yes. Yeah. I just think that's so funny. I like Greg in his interrogation scenes. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, this kid is stone cold.
0: I can't do that. I can't lie. I try so hard, like, especially when we play games that require deception. I mm-hmm. can't do it. I die yeah. inside and my face shows everything.
2: Yeah. I just love how he turns the game back on Leslie and Dave and Andy and he just doesn't crack ever. hmm Mm -hmm. Yep. I also like Leslie's angry at Greg face (laughs) when the camera pans to her on the other side of the glass.
0: Yes. But he did the exact same face and it was perfect.
2: Yes.
0: Like, I don't know if they had to do work to figure out how to meet in the middle and match, Mm -hmm. but oh my gosh, that made me so happy.
2: It's so funny. Hmm. I like the birth of Bert Macklin, yes. FBI.
1: Welcome, Bert.
2: Another classic staple of the show is Born, and it's yep, great.
0: They, they gave Andy's character a lot more depth in this episode.
2: Yes. So much good character development. I like Tom being genuinely nice and saving Anne's party.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But secretly, I think the undertone is if I save your party, everyone will like me.
2: Yeah. Yeah. But, but still I'm, I'm still going to give him it. the credit cuz he did do a good thing even if his motives weren't entirely pure. Yeah, totally. I liked Andy staying in character and replying the president of the United States to Grace Fake Mom. Classic. It gives you this sense of he's so deep into his character that he doesn't even know that he's still in character.
0: It's so good. <laughs> it's so good.
2: Hilarious! I like the development of the friendship and loyalty between Leslie and Andy in this episode. Mm-hmm. And real talk, the people who say "I go home when you go home" are the people that you really want in your corner. I like Leslie not being able to help herself and getting carried away with the fun of TP <laughs> and Greg's house her out of breath laugh
1: oh, gosh. just
2: cracks me up every time when yeah. she's running with like the armfuls of toilet paper <laughs> and she's like
0: <laughs> yes yes it's so good
2: just it's, so it's my funny bone so hard
0: it's just like such pure joy
2: yes it's uh, unbridled uh, freaking unbridled Yeah. (laughs) And I have to agree with Matt Fowler of IGN. The character development in this episode is so rich and I love it. Yeah. And my last like is the end of episode flashback showing how Greg pulled off his prank. I think there's so much parallel to the Oceans movies. Really, all it lacks is a jazzy soundtrack. Yep.
0: Yep. Absolutely. I loved when April, when, when Anne walked into the office and April just goes, Yay, Anne's here. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. I love that so much. And then Andy, when he's at the statue and he's like, He looks like Ron Swanson. Is that who this is based on? And Leslie's <laughs> like, Were you even listening to what I just said? <laughs> Andy, you're so adorable and irritating all at the same time. I love Dave's dave's double commentary behind leslie it reminds me so much of um scott braddock city attorney from the last mm-hmm. episode um and it makes me so happy and i love dave's awareness of the camera like mm-hmm. he just does his normal talk and then his implications mind is just a couple steps below his mouth or behind yeah. his mouth
1: <laughs> below and then his mouth you know what
0: I already got thrown over a ravine so <laughs> his implications mind is a couple steps behind his mouth so then he just keeps looking at the cameras like well i didn't mean i didn't mean that i didn't i probably shouldn't have said that and yes this moves on and it's beautiful i love that the first two people to show up to Anne's party are two of the most socially awkward humans that are there i mean orin <laughs> wasn't there if orin would have been there he would have been the most awkward um, mm-hmm. but like, even April can hold her own at a party. Mm-hmm. But like, just the awkward tension of yes. Dr. Harris and Ron standing there, and Ron's like, "You're a doctor."
1: Yep. <laughs> it's like. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. And doesn't that just kind of play on all of our worst fears? Like if we're hosting a party or get together and those first few guests show up and they're just not clicking and all of a sudden it just triggers this, oh no, is this night going to be terrible? What if no one has any fun? You know, what if it's all my fault? And uh, yeah, I think it beautifully plays on that little fear that most people have.
0: such a relatable storyline. Yes. Um. So I wrote that I also am a huge fan of Andy's first Burt Macklin appearance. But in the Mm. subtitles, they spelled it B-E-R-T, not B-U-R-T.
2: I'm shook.
0: I don't even know what to do with that. (laughs) Um, I love the subtle irony of Mark and Derek matching Derek's straight guy costume. Yes. That moment is gold.
2: And it's kind of a nice little reverse mirror image of tom and the shirts from the bulge
0: true True. i never
2: thought about that before till this moment
0: i love the delightful irony of april being a smiley face clown (laughs) like there's just so many small things in this episode that i was like somebody thought about that well done
2: delightful
0: i love pakitis's creativity but like Logistically, how long would it take to TP spray paint, do all the shaving cream and decorate all of those pictures? Like, I feel like that would take a good amount of hours. And the detail he went to to add all the faces to the pictures and write on the windows and do the shaving cream thing with the thing thing. Also, wouldn't the shaving cream hold its shape for a long time?
2: It would. Yeah. OK. Shaving cream would.
0: Because if that was like whipped cream. It would have diminished and kind of yeah, melted yeah. per
2: se. But shaving cream is a lot more viscous. Is that the right Ooh. word? Then? I'm Ooh. viscous. Busting them all out today. <laughs>
0: <laughs> when you're tired, you bust out the words?
2: Yeah, yeah I guess so. All I right. I guess so.
0: All right. Also, his um, commitment to shelter in that dumpster for who knows how long.
2: Yeah. Dumpsters that- are
0: not clean.
2: Yeah, and and not to mention the amount of time he just had to sit there and do nothing in that thing.
0: No, I can't do it.
2: John Dryden said, beware the fury of a patient man. And And uh,
0: that is Greg Pekaitis' bread and butter.
2: Nothing if not Greg in this moment.
0: All right, Greg. I love Ron taking the almonds out of the almond joys (laughs) at the party. Which made me think back to Sister City and you trying to take all the crunch out of the crunch bar. Yes.
2: yes, Almonds, definitely easier to remove from an Almond Joy than crisp rice out of a crunch bar.
0: You know, almonds um, make Ron do a number seven no
2: no! <laughs> I should have seen that coming and I didn't see it coming uh, I even gave a pause for you to realize I know, I know. and I was like what, wait wait why'd she stop talking what's happening <laughs> oh. I should have seen it coming and I didn't and I didn't and it just it just <laughs> uh, took me out.
0: <laughs>
2: yay <Yes! laughs> Points for joy.
0: Points for joy. I highly dislike Tom calling Anne cupcake. Mm. I mean, that's the that's the Tom character as we know him to this point. Yes. So, like, it makes sense in context of Tom, but my insides highly dislike it. Sure. And he just says, "I want to see how tiny your costume is." freaking tom stop it <laughs> i know you're trying to like make us all know that you're successful and you're going to go have hot sex with wendy after this but we all know that's not going to happen so yeah.
2: very much playing into an idea of manhood that's all about posturing and perception and yeah very little that's actually authentic
0: i don't like Anne's protective friends
2: Mm -hmm.
0: because if they were true friends and they knew Anne, then they would know that Andy wasn't actually treating her well and was taking advantage of her yeah so then they try to like get Mark to stumble yeah like he's the one that's actually treating her well how can you not see that Mm -hmm. like that totally makes me angry Um, very true like I hate it when personality wins over actual care. I dislike the actual spray painting on the floor. Like, okay, maybe for the set, they didn't actually use real spray paint, but if Greg is willing to go to the vandal point of actually using spray paint, that's commitment and malice right there. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the one to clean that up. (laughs) That's actually why I dislike it. I don't want to clean it up. I don't like Leslie's sideways techniques right after everything that just happened with the pit and all the repercussions that came her way Mm -hmm. um, when she was cooked by everything. Yes, I know she doesn't like Greg Mm Pekaitis, but I feel like her actions would have been tampered just a little bit in light of
2: everything that just happened. Sure. But the timeline could be different. Do you, I was going to say, do you think that perhaps the origin story that we're missing might provide some insight into why Greg is seemingly this big of a blind spot for Leslie? Plausible. Plausible. We might have to speculate further on that. Yeah. And, and her not really being sensitive of the ramifications that Dave could experience because she dragged him along with her.
0: Right. I'm not a fan of Greg's capacity to be completely cruel and be okay with it. It's kind of like what you just talked about with um, Leslie and Dave. Like when somebody isn't able to see how their actions affect somebody else, Mm -hmm. that gets me riled up and angry super
2: fast. What did you dislike, Joe? I dislike that Jerry's desk is still right outside of Ron's office. Yeah, And Ron is seen in the beginning of the episode being so chummy with him. Yeah. I feel like Leslie being in immediate, unrestricted access to a shotgun in Dave's police cruiser is a bad idea given her arc in this episode.
0: Yes. (laughs) And Dave's coolness being like, don't don't touch that.
2: Yeah. She's, I mean, it's sitting right in front of her and this is Leslie we're talking about. That just feels like a huge liability. And given the actual liability we dealt with in the last episode... (laughs) just seems like disaster waiting to happen
0: yeah she is an impulsive human especially when
2: angered if city attorney scott braddock saw that he would have just had an aneurysm and died on the spot and my next dislike is wendy Mm -hmm. i feel bad but anytime she's on screen i just feel like it brings the show down
0: yeah i totally get that
2: And then my last dislike is whenever there's a reference to someone pooping on something. We're back to poop. (laughs) I know you got so excited as soon as you saw where this was going. (laughs) Uh, But whenever there's a reference to someone pooping on something in, say, a drive by fashion such as Leslie saying Greg pooped on the handball courts Mm -hmm. or the character of Andy pooping on David Wallace's car in the Mm -hmm. office. My problem with that, besides just, you know, grossness, is in those situations, you're not going to have toilet paper on hand because these kind of situations I'm thinking are not premeditated oh that's so uncomfortable i never thought about that before. exactly so in those situations uh, uh, the implications of spur of the moment oh, pooping <laughs> are so gross <laughs> i can't believe i'm i'm applying Do this it. philosophical of an Do approach it. to Do pooping it. on stuff <laughs> but there's sort of a uh an element of you know he who rolls a stone it will roll back on you he who Mm. digs a grave will fall into it himself that kind of thing because if you poop on something (laughs) to get at somebody else aren't you really the one who is going to have to suffer with dealing with an unwiped nasty (laughs) butt (laughs) deep (laughs) deep I, I don't even you know You just went there. <laughs> it, it needed to be said. And now it is time for the coronation of the beautiful rule-breaking moth. The segment in which we choose one specific thing that was the breakout star of the episode. So, Joy, who or what is your beautiful rule-breaking moth?
0: I'm going to go with Greg's fake mom.
2: Mm.
0: Because... First of all, that's such good acting. Second of all, how much did she know ahead of time? Like, how much would Greg have to prep her? When did he have the time to like? Does he just have her
2: on? Yeah, I was gonna say makes you wonder if he's used her before.
0: Because like they obviously knew of each other.
2: Yeah, they sell it so hard.
0: Right. So when she walks in, it's not the first time they've seen each other. Yeah. Um, and they've done this before so it was well rehearsed like she knew the right things to say she knew his name she called him nicknames mm-hmm. I don't know it was just I feel like that was brilliant anyway who's your beautiful rule-breaking moth
2: I really have to give this one to Greg mm, how come his character is just brilliant and his dynamic with leslie the way that they play off of each other is what makes this episode so good Mm. he is the joker to leslie's batman
0: yep well spoken
2: and now it's time for the shaming of the jerry the part of the show where we shame one particular thing for bringing the episode down or being necessarily oh, annoying I can't go that low but it's fine. I feel like it I had a weird head. Twilight Zone thing going <laughs> 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 my Jerry for this episode is the Derek Ben April thruple yeah. is back as a semi plot points and I just don't love that for reasons I've already discussed in previous episodes so I don't feel like I need to revisit that
0: I'm ready for them to be done
2: me too Joy, what's your Jerry for this episode?
0: That one maintenance worker who hung spiderwebs in front of the door. (laughs) Can we talk about basic process? Like, okay, first of all, why is a government worker hanging spiderwebs outside for a one-day event that everyone's not going to be at work for? Hmm. And why is the worker hanging it in front of the door?
2: Well, on a happier note... It is time for the awarding of the Lil' Sebastians. The ceremony in which we rate each episode against the entire catalog of parks and recreation episodes by awarding it between one and five Lil' Sebastians. One obviously being the lowest and five representing perfection. The most magical episodes of all time. It's magic. So Joy... How many Lil Sebastians do you award Greg Pakaitis?
0: This is a solid four, mostly Mm. because, um, like, when I think about the episodes we're about to do, I can almost figure out my rating just by how I feel with remembering the title.
2: Interesting. And
0: I like the Greg Pakaitis episode, especially because it followed Kaboom, and it doesn't have Keith in it. (laughs) So you get a four, Greg Pakaitis. That you are not allowed to come after me. <laughs> what did you rate it, Joe?
2: I also rated this episode a four.
0: Yes.
2: This episode has so many great elements. It's got the genesis of Burt Macklin. Mm-hmm. It's got Greg Pachitis. It's got Greg's elaborate prank that draws delightful parallels to the Oceans movies for yep. me. It's got Tom's spot on T-Pain costume and his genuinely nice saving of Anne's party. It's got the origin of Ron's go-to Halloween costume. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Honestly, this episode is so close to being a five that it's frankly unprecedented for being this early in season two. It scared me a little bit how close I almost came to awarding this episode a five. It is it's a, a four plus. St- Yes, it is a strong four. This is Parks and Rec, discovering the magic that makes it the incredible show that it is. And now it's time to ask the all-important question.
1: Where in, Where the, world in the world is, is John,
2: Ralph- John ralphie Yay. Yeah, 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 yeah! <laughs> so, Joy... Where do you think John Ralphio was during the events of Greg Pekaitis? I think he was on
0: Greg's team to vandalize the statue, and he is one of the people that ran away.
2: That's a good answer.
0: Which then, if I take it one layer deeper, I wouldn't be surprised if for some reason it took John Ralphio an extra amount of time to finish high school. Like, we don't know what year Greg Pekaitis is. Very true. But what if their paths somehow crossed? Ooh. I mean, that might be a little too much. But somehow I like somehow their worlds had to collide. And I
2: like it.
0: Like all the TP and crap feels right up John Ralphio's alley.
2: Yes. Oh joy. That's fantastic.
0: You know, sometimes I'm smart. Other times I panic. That's all.
2: <laughs> that's all there is to it. <laughs>
0: Where do you think John Ralphio is?
2: You know, it's not particularly elaborate, but my inner voice that guides me to these answers mm. spoke to me and told me he's sleeping for literally the entire episode probably sleeping off a massive bender that followed the end of his capers with keith from the previous episode so yeah, that i'm going was, with that
0: that had to have been exhausting <laughs> is he is he sleeping in pawnee or is he in china
2: I don't, I'm not sure. The, the voice didn't tell me where he was, uh, but he probably has malaria. Oh, <laughs> well. Now it's time for Johnny Karate's Karate Moves to Success, an inspirational segment in which we apply the karate moves to success in our own lives. So Joy, what would you like to karate chop this week?
0: I've had a lot that I needed to get done this week. And of course, the moment I want to get things done and I try to be focused is the moment that I get distracted on everything around me. So I'm going to karate chop distractions. And one of those main distractions, this is like a pro tip for everybody. Don't do what I did. I should have Googled it before I did it, but I didn't. I just deleted my whole email archive cuz like you know Google has the archive and i was like what even does an archive do and that basically deleted everything so then uh, i had to pull everything out of the trash and now i'm in process of refiling all of my emails oh, since forever
2: that's the worst
0: what are you going to karate chop
2: i've specifically karate chopped snake balls before yep, you sure have uh this week i just want to karate chop snakes in general ah because the offspring it's... of the snake ball <laughs> you're so proud of yourself for that you're so proud of yourself for that
0: I am thank you for noticing
2: <laughs> oh if you're not Whoa! watching if you're not watching on Patreon you need to be because as soon as Joyce said that she just goes like
0: <laughs> I know when I make a good statement And I might be almost crying because I'm so happy.
2: Oh, that was perfect. Thank you. (laughs) Uh. So this week I'm karate chopping all snakes because it's that time of year here in Nebraska. They're starting to come out after the winter and, and the cooler portion of spring. And I'm just seeing them everywhere. I'm seeing them on the roads. Uh, I drove um, halfway across Nebraska this weekend and on my way to where I was going, I, I probably saw 10 to 15 snakes on the Ew. side of the road. Uh, there's just too many. I don't, yeah, I don't like it. So we both have another, karate move to success this week we both have try something new look at us go i know we we are proud of ourselves this week (laughs) so joy what are you trying new um i've been
0: trying to figure out what to do with my life since forever i think as are we all um big mood (laughs) (laughs) right it's a thing um so I, I left my last job in November and then I was like just getting ready to get back into the work world when COVID hit. Mm. Um, so that took me down a little bit. Um, but I've had a lot of time to think about like, what do I want to do with my life? What, what good do I bring to the world? Um, and my aunt is a phenomenal question asker and she's really great at facilitating curiosity. Um, and so we've been talking for a long time about instructional design which is basically the process of designing instruction. Um, And I've done it informally for most of my life. So Coursera and U of I have um, an instructional design certificate program that's master's level. Um, I get eight credit hours for it. And if I wanted to get my master's in education at U of I, I could afterwards. So I'm excited about it. But also philosophy of learning is really hard for my brain to wrap
2: around so that is awesome joy look at you go
0: look at me go and that's also why i didn't have a whole lot of time for research on this episode this week adjusting back to school is
2: hard Mm, i feel that my wife has been in a master's program for like a year and a half now so it's no joke
0: that textbook is nothing (laughs) like
2: Pawnee, the greatest town in America. So I
0: think they need to up their
2: game. So was that your aunt Sharon? Yeah. Can I make a suggestion that her official title in the podcast going forward now be curiosity curator?
0: Yes. Aunt Sharon, the
1: curiosity curator.
2: And aunt Sharon also, well, Let's just say this podcast would not exist without her. Because she did curate some curiosity. We will dig into that when we eventually do our, our own origin story episode. Yeah, when are we going to do that? I don't know. I don't know, but we Maybe will. Tomorrow. And it will be fun. Delightful. What did you All do right. this week? Well, this one's a little bit of a sad face because I had put in the show notes, which I completed several days ago. Because you were week. so on point I I had to be I had a lot to get done this week so I had put that I played my first concert with Luke Mills and the Highway Drifters that was supposed to be yesterday the concert did wind up getting cancelled due to inclement weather so that wasn't fun But Luke Mills is an old friend of mine. He's an extremely talented country artist here in Nebraska. A few months ago, he called me up and asked me if I would consider filling in with his band on electric guitar. Naturally, I was absolutely thrilled to accept, and I've been rehearsing with Luke and his band, and the show has officially been rescheduled for this coming Friday. Sweet. So won't be that long and I will be able to get on stage and play guitar with a very awesome band. So that's Luke Mills. Uh, He has several albums on iTunes and Spotify and all those places. You should definitely check him out. Very excited for that. But it did not happen this week. So that was sad. Who are you going to be nice to this week, Joe? This week, I would like to be nice to teachers. Mm -hmm. I have a little bit perhaps more insight than the average person into this being married to a teacher who is obviously a wonderful person, but I've just had a little bit of a window into what an insane year it's been for teachers ever since all this COVID madness started and it's genuinely been inspiring seeing the ways that teachers have gone above and beyond to stay connected with their classes to do all the work that they need to do adapting to this rattlesnake of a situation that threw so many variables at them and loaded up so many more difficulties on top of what is already not an easy job. Right. So I tip my hat to you teachers. Enjoy your summer because you have had a heck of a year Mm, for real though. So Joy, who would you like to be nice to this week?
0: Um, Delivery drivers, because Mm. like they're keeping us going in a lot of ways, which is great. And I love the goodness that they bring.
2: Well, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We have had a blast. We hope that you have had some fun spending a little bit of your time within the audio waves of this episode and our voices and more poop references than we ever (laughs) intended to make. Thank you for joining us in these silky smooth audio waves of Parks and Rewatch. If you are interested in getting even more Parks and Rewatch content, you can head over to our Patreon and pick one of our three support tiers to join. You can become a Pawnee Ranger, a Pawnee Goddess, or a Swanson. Bum, bum, bum. All the way up there on top of that Swanson Pyramid of Greatness. Depending yep. on which tier you choose, we have so much goodness that you can access, like the written versions of our show notes. Which are from- pretty great. They are.
0: <laughs> hey, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, tell us your thoughts. Tell us how great we are and how much you love <laughs> Parks and Rec. I like affirmation. Feel free to slap it. Um, Slather it. Slather. Just, just come find us on our Facebook page. We got a great little community going on right here. With with all kinds of great people. <laughs> so far, our top two contributors are Heather and Jessica. Yes. Big fans of them. So you guys were like super excited about your shout-out last last week, so here's another one.
2: An even bigger one. An even bigger one! I'm shouting! Heather and Jessica, you guys are off! Awesome. You're doing great! But if you want to mix it up with some awesome people in our Facebook group, go find that the official Parks and Rewatch fan page. You can also send us an email, if you're one of those fun people, at rewatchparks at gmail.com. No matter how you reach out to us and no matter what you are reaching out to us about, we would love to hear from you. (laughs) And on that note... Bye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) What
1: even just happened?
2: (laughs) The most beautiful train wreck ever.